E is the letter of the day, and 42 is the number that we'll be talking about. You want to know what those mean? Stay tuned next. Breaking Into is coming. You are tuned in to Black Hollywood Lives. Breaking Into. I love it. Real drums. Like, real music. It's amazing. And the strings. Oh. I mean, it's just, it, this song is so And then her voice good. comes, and it's so just beautiful. Oh, uh. I know. Welcome to Breaking Into. We're talking about Solange, because we love her. And her album, See at the Table, was really good. A couple, was it a couple years ago it came out? Last year? It was like... Beginning of 2017. Yeah, yeah, it was like that. So we're going... This year's going by fast. I still play it like it's new. Me too. <laughs> so I do too. We are back, and I have a great guest for you today. Now, I mentioned a letter and a number. We're going to talk about that in a second, what that means. Um, I want a little Sesame Street on you today <clears throat> with E and 42. My guest today is affecting change in the world, which is what I love having these kind of guests on my show. They're doing things and giving back to their community. Makes me happy. I'm so glad. Um, she's the executive director of the 42 Initiative, also known as Club 42. We're going to talk about what that is, what that means, what she does there. She's also an on-camera sports person, too, as an analyst. So she knows what it's like to be on camera like I do. And she's also a former NCAA Division student athlete. You played softball, correct? I did. Wrong girl. Fast pitch softball. Woo! Because you, we're going to talk about that, too, because I almost <laughs> said something. We're going to talk about that, too. They call her E, but her name is Coach Erin Wesley-Jones. Or Jones-Wesley. Right, Jones-Wesley. Jones I like three names. I have three names, too, James Lott Jr. I love it. You are interesting, because I was, I was reading up about you. And reading about just going back into your beginnings of just being the athlete, right? You hold you said it says you hold the record for career a career pitching record. So what does that mean exactly? So for all four years that okay. I played at Long Beach State, I have the record for wins, appearances, and strikeouts. Wow. So my favorite of that, by the way, is wins because I feel like <laughs> with strikeouts and appearances, yeah, that's me. I you know was on the mound yeah. doing my thing. But with wins, that means that it was like really a team effort. Yeah. And I had such great teammates my four yeah. years of college. Like right. honestly, all of those girls were oh. it was really fun. It was fun times and everyone was really good. Shout so, out to the girls. Yeah. Shout out to the girls along St- yeah. Long Beach State. Made my made my job easy and wow. had some fun Time. So with the team, it really, I mean, because I always say playing sports is a great way to learn a lot about yourself in life, period. So your team, were they, you guys really worked collectively together, so everything, so when you played your games, you played? Definitely. So with, on a softball team, you have about 18 girls, nine are on the field at a time. And what makes it kind of different than baseball is typically when you have a starting pitcher, you're sticking with them throughout every single game. So there were times we play five games in a weekend three games sometimes in a day in travel ball and we're spending all of this time playing together and you go through a lot of adversity with people and to be able to kind of be the centerpiece as a pitcher you're setting the tone so Mm. if things aren't going your way you can't really act like things aren't going your way because everyone else will pick up on that energy so I think that that was a really kind of great life lesson that has transferred outside of sports Mm. at this point of just like being able to really control my own energy but then also be aware of what other energy Um, is in the world so as a pitcher you're staring down a batter right and they literally want you to fail you're facing someone who wants you to fail one-on-one and you can feel when they're going to swing no matter what you can feel when they are hoping that you aren't going to do it and sometimes what i think is the biggest lesson i've learned is you can do something perfectly as a pitcher i would throw a pitch sometimes what i felt was right down the middle but you know even objectively probably still a strike and an umpire can just say nope Right. Not that's not where I want it. And that's a life lesson. Sometimes you can feel like you're doing something so well 
And sometimes it's not on you to decide. It's on someone else to decide. And how do you deal with that? And then how do you say, okay, I have 60 seconds to get over it. Mm-hmm. 60 seconds. And yeah. I have to throw the next pitch. Yeah. You have to go to the next moment. So really living like in that moment-to-moment scenario, dealing with yeah. adversity, and then really trying to uplift others around you, yeah. even when you're struggling. It was. I think that that was the most powerful lesson I learned from softball. So you had to be really present. Super present. Which is a good life lesson period also. Totally. In relationships, in school, in life, and driving, whatever it is, you have to be really present. And acknowledging what's going on in this situation. I just see this person swing in this certain way. Do I want to throw the pitch that's getting called, or do I want to call an audible and say, hey, wait a minute, I'm seeing something that maybe no one else can see. And having a lot of confidence. You have to have a a ton of confidence. I'm sure, I'm (laughs) sure. Oh, I'm sure. But it was... Such learning lessons all the way. I think I, it has completely shaped the way I am. And I, I say that I see the world as a pitcher still to this day. Well, it's funny. I played baseball once, once one season when I was nine years old. And that's only, I've only played it. I've not, I don't follow baseball or softball, but I played it once. And I did see the team effort. And that you can't be a star because every, everybody has their part. They have to play in it. And it's extremely humbling. Yes. You could, you know, baseball and softball, these are sports where you're failing 70% of the time right. and you're successful. That's success. Right, right. Imagine if your doctor failed 70% oh, yeah, no. of the time. We'd be dead. Yeah, you're not going to the doctor. <laughs> no, but no, these no. are, you know, you watch MLB, these guys are batting 300, 30% they're right. Yeah. And they're making millions of dollars, you know, and yeah. they're heroes, they're sports yeah. heroes. Yeah. And I think that being able to really deal with failure and not let that just control you, mm-hmm. I think that is why baseball is such a great sport. And I, you know, that's kind of, to segue, I'm kind of getting ahead of us, but that's why I think it's so yeah. great that we're kind of implementing baseball in these urban areas. And we're seeing lots of nonprofits do this. Yeah. Um, we have worked with a lot of nonprofits in the past who are also have this similar mission um, to you know, help revive baseball in the inner city, but I think that it's something to have resiliency. That's yeah, it's a really important trait for yeah. youth to have this day. No, I'm glad you said now. It's fine. We, we're we're talking club forty two and its in its intricacies, you know, a little bit. But you're right. We I think sports, art, music, writing, urban areas need all of that. And also, I interviewed on my show here Ron Finley, who's the who's the gardening gangster. They call him. He's in South Central and he's planting gardens, teaching kids how to garden. It's amazing. So, I mean, what you, what you guys are all doing is stuff that we should be doing in our own communities. Definitely. Because it teaches us life lessons. And I think you don't always realize how something so small, it seems like, mm-hmm. oh, who cares? Gardening. Right. Whatever. Right. But there's all of these things in everything we do that teaches lessons along the way. And then also just collaborating with others who mm-hmm. are also like-minded. Mm-hmm. You can find so many different career paths that maybe you didn't know existed. Mm-hmm. For all you know, someone could now own a landscaping company because right. they learned about gardening one time. Right, right. That's a question I've always wanted to ask because I've never asked this before. Anybody who's been a pitcher, what is the relationship between you and the catcher? You know what? It's the most interesting relationship I'm sure. because they are—they're the only position on the diamond where they can see everyone. Okay, they see everyone else on the field, okay. and so they kind of are like your eyes and ears. Your back as a pitcher oh, is yeah, to yeah. everyone okay, else. Yes. So sometimes you have to really trust in your catcher that what they see is different than what you feel. Because as a pitcher, it's very intuitive. 
But as a catcher, they have a little intuition as well. But, but they're seeing, they're seeing right. everything. Right. So to really trust someone, you have to really trust your catchers. And, you know, I usually you have, like, they call it a battery, like a tandem. Mm-hmm. And I was really fortunate um, that I was very close with my catchers in okay. college. Okay. And even growing up with high school and club softball, you have to trust your catchers. Yeah. And also, the catcher's the only person that's going to say, you don't have your stuff. And you're not gonna oh, you're not gonna be offended because they know when you don't have your stuff. Yeah, well, they're, they 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 oh, and our and our engineer producer of the show Marissa was a catcher. She said, Ah, that's really yes. funny. Oh, that's, I mean, that's that's so interesting. Um, and I know we don't normally do this, but Marissa, I just want to ask you a question. So, I mean, what she's saying does that sound about right for you as a catcher? Absolutely, because one of the first things my coach told me was that I had to do everything that the pitcher couldn't do or couldn't see and because just like she says that her back is turned to everybody so I have to be I have to look at the three points as first second and third base I have to always catch that because the pitcher couldn't wow and they're calling the pitches they're calling the game yeah 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 so the catcher is saying you're throwing this right Right. now and so if Uh, you guys aren't in sync there were times where the catcher would call something. I could feel the batter doing whatever little twitch yeah. they had. Yeah. And then we could make eye contact and yeah. say, we're changing this oh, mid-pitch. Okay. Yes. And they'd oh, be like, well. you, you, I didn't call that. I saw something. They're like, it worked out. Yeah, so, yeah that's so funny. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. That's so interesting. Yeah. I've always wanted, I've always wanted to ask. I've never asked that before. That's a, not, it completely makes sense to me. Because, yeah, because you're facing this way. Feeling the energy and feeling the energy in front of you, but they literally just can see everything that's that's going on. It's it, it's crazy, and you know what? I still have yet to find something in life that feels the same as striking someone out. There's, I haven't found no a, feeling. That's there's like no this. feeling to describe it, and I. I haven't yet. Maybe I will. Someone told me that uh, when I start getting into making doing major deals, deal yes. flow is yes. close to doing strikeouts. Yes. Um, <laughs> so that that's yet to be determined. But I, I I haven't found it. Striking someone out feels awesome. <laughs> like it. many victories. No, I'm, right? I'm, I'm Hey, take our pictures. We can get them. I'm all I'm all about that. I, I'm totally about that. Okay so, okay, so where did softball come into your life? How old were you when it came into your life and the whole sports thing? Well, I believe the story is that I was at a baseball field, I think, six weeks after I was born. My dad was a baseball player. Okay. He actually played at Long Beach State as well. My parents met there. Wow. So I, I didn't pick up softball until I was about seven. Okay. And by the time I was eight, I realized that, hey, pitching's really cool. And there were all of... Softball was on ESPN at that time as well. Um, yeah, I can remember that. Yeah, yeah, and there was a pitcher from LSU, this okay. girl named Brittany Sneed. I still remember. And Hi, she Brittany. had a very, yeah, hey girl. And she had a, a long, straight ponytail and she wore like really cool <laughs> mascara. And I was like, I need to be a pitcher. <laughs> That's it. And then, of course, you have like Jenny Finch, who is just like amazing, yeah. and Lisa Fernandez and all of these wonderful pitchers. But really, it was this pitcher from LSU who just, wow. I loved her vibe. And so I wanted to become a pitcher because of wow. that. And I was awful. <laughs> so bad. I the I would walk batters. I hit seven batters in one game one time. Okay. Um, I remember it got to the point where I, you know, I kept practicing. My parents never told me I was awful. They oh. were just like, oh, you want to pitch? Oh, she wants to practice. Oh, okay. They just well. let me do my thing. Okay. My teammates, I'd go in the game. They'd roll their eyes. Or I'd go, oh, now we're going to lose because Aaron's <laughs> pitching. Um, but you know what? I took it very seriously. I left the rec ball league that I was playing in. I started becoming more competitive at it because although pitching maybe was not initially my forte I could you know I was athletic I could do everything else on the field so I started playing travel ball and when I came back for high school and I was with the girls from my area they literally said 
you still pitch? And uh, I'm like, yeah, I still pitch. Yeah. At that time, I was good. So I'm like, y'all don't know. Of course I still pitch. So I, you know, by the time I got to be in about 13, 14, I really started hitting my stride as okay. a pitcher. Um, and I had really great coaches that kind of oh, helped good. along the way. And I actually was a part of a travel ball uh, team that had, I think we had like eight to 10 black girls on the team. Wow. And that is really rare in softball. Wow. Um, and there were times where we could do a whole black infield at once. Wow. And, it, and our head coach was a black woman. Wow. And it was really, really special. Yeah, it, sure. I, I'm still friends with those girls to this day. And I think that we all kind of, at the time, as kids, you don't realize how special of an opportunity that was. But we all had father figures that were present, that were showing up, both of our parents at these games. Yeah. And a lot of those friends were also D1 softball players, yeah. even athletes, and I would play them in college. And some yeah. of them have records at their schools as well. Yeah. So I think that it kind of just showed that, one, it made it less isolating mm-hmm. in a sport where it's, you know, predominantly white yeah. or yeah. at least like Latino as well. There's oh, right. not a lot of black girls and there's not yeah. a lot of black pitchers. Wow. And so to have teammates that kind of looked like me, it, yeah. I think, really shaped the confidence that we all had and yeah. what our abilities were. Well, I want to say, I mean, you bring up, it's very timely you should say that. Um, we're on Black Hollywood Lives. We get a little blacker on here. Um, and no, it's, it's timely because I just talked with my brother about Black Panther and how, what, and it's what is changing the conversation for black people. Because you're saying, he goes, I keep forgetting there are black folks coming to this who don't watch Marvel films now. They're coming to see this. It's more of a black thing. And I said, the only way I can relate it to you is going to the Caribbean and going to certain islands where the government's black. Everyone's working there is black. Like it, like you said, it feels like it's just something different. Where you just feel you're not the minority at all. You're just you're part of the majority for a change. Absolutely, and I think that there's kind of this like consciousness that as kids, like I grew up in a predominantly white suburb, okay. so I was used to being the only black kid in my class, and oh, yeah. that was what I grew up in. So I didn't even really have a lot of like black friends until mm-hmm. I joined the softball team, okay. which is so ironic because it's softball. Right. It's not like it was like a basketball yeah, I was team. Say, yeah, right. Yeah, it was yeah. a softball team. So wow. I think that that really shaped my ability to see when I was the only one, but then also I didn't feel like there was the weight that sometimes other kids may have because okay. I knew that I could go and see my friends and they would kind of, we'd have cultural understanding of one another. Okay. Um, but I think being able to kind of be able to balance both cultures. I mean, mm. I have white grandparents. Okay. Uh, my yeah. dad was a part of a program kind of similar to my nonprofit okay. where they brought kids from the inner city and they went up to the valley. And so to this day, I still have my Nana and my grandpa. That was me too. <laughs> busing. Back then, busing. Yes. Desegregation. Yep. So yes. I still have my Nana and my grandpa. So for yeah. me to have kind of both angles mm-hmm. and then to see something like Black Panther where it shows just nothing but one race right. just right. leading and being oh it was such a powerful movie to see yeah. so special it just was so special and i think that yeah. the times are really changing in a way where like young black kids can really just kind of see more representation in media mm-hmm. and i feel like i'm not even that old but i know that times have already changed like for nieces and nephews and little cousins i'm like they're growing up in a different time <coughs> that seems so spe- like your hair's not different you don't have right. to feel like isolated like oh i wish that this was true yeah. you know there i remember actually i thought about this this morning and i don't know it's probably not appropriate share it, to share, share but i'm gonna share, share there were times when i played softball and i remember thinking because it would be cold so i'd have my under armor sleeves on and my batting helmet which are there's a cage to protect your face and 
batting gloves. And I'd say, I wonder if the umpire can tell that I'm black right now in my head. Interesting. I would think that. And, you know, not when I was on the team that had all of my black <clears throat> friends, but on the teams when I was the only one. I wonder if they can tell that I'm still the only one right now. Right. And I think that that is where representation becomes so important because who cares if you're the only one? You're just standing up and being in your truth. Wow, that's so interesting. You know, and I think that that, to have that, even those, like, that consciousness of being like, I know that I'm different, but I don't think I'm being treated differently, but I would like to just know what it would be like if maybe there was no way to tell the difference. And I think when you see a world like Black Panther, that doesn't even exist. Right. Right? And right. It's, I, that's what makes it special is, like, wow. it gives everyone the ability to kind of imagine a world where there was no... Uh, what do they call it? Colonizers or right, something yeah, right, about, right, right. like that. And I think that that is really interesting. I, I'm sorry, I want to ask Marissa. Marissa, ask you a question, please. Because you are Asian. Mm-hmm. Did you have a similar experience just playing softball? Absolutely. I mean, I was the token Asian in my school and grade school, high school, still also. Well, not so much in college because fortunately in college, you know, you have yeah. a different type of minorities from everywhere. But definitely, and also on my softball team i was the token asian but fortunately the area i grew up in they still treated me like i was caucasian or interesting there there was still some um equality there that's interesting and so when you were playing catcher i mean because you're in all that get up could anybody tell you were asian or no no i mean it wasn't really addressed because i was catcher because i was good at it and they put me in that position because i had earned it yeah that's great. Okay, yeah. That's good. That's because you, because you brought that part. I was thinking this is really interesting because you're playing in a field that's mostly white folks. Right. But you're really good. You're a person of color and she's a person of color. Like, it's, just, it's just so fascinating to me. I've looked up studies before because I wanted to make yeah. sure that I wasn't making things up. And I actually, <laughs> yes. by the time I got to college, I did a lot of research and I found some study that showed that uh, for pitchers, there actually is a difference between the called strike, swinging strike ratio for okay. black pitchers. Oh. Okay. And what, how many called strikes end up happening. And it's kind of tough to see if something, called strikes are objective. Right. <laughs> so you don't really know. But right. when it's so much lower, it begs the question, why? Yeah. And so I wanted a little bit of just justification of like feeling that way sometimes. Yeah. And But that's what I was talking about, of just like having that resiliency of sometimes, you know, your best yeah. comes up to someone's own opinion. And right. what do you feel? How do you handle that? You know, right. it, it was really interesting. But you know, for me, I always growing up of being like, "You're the whitest black girl I know." Yes. So that was that was always the statement for me. I just <laughs> I just released the spoken word piece called "You Don't Talk Black." That was my whole growing up. You talk vanilla. You're like an Oreo. I mean, I got called all the names, and I was like, "I'm black. Look at me. Look at my nose." Um, but no, I always got all the time, and I wasn't one. Of the, I, I grew up in a black, a black neighborhood, but it was still one of those things where. I came from a multicultural family. It's like, you know, I have white folks and Latino and black. And so it's one of those things where I'm like, I'm who I am. So I don't like, so like, always like to be the only black this or one of the few black that. So you must know how that feels too then. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's what's so great about what's happening culturally in this country is like everyone's kind of shedding that yeah, and saying like, yeah. we don't care. I heard Ava DuVernay say an amazing quote the other day on Ooh, Twitter okay. of um, in an interview and she was saying like, you know, a lot of people don't want to say I'm a woman in film or I'm a black woman in film, but I want to be those things. I want someone mm-hmm. to say that about me because that's the gaze I view the world. And I said, how special is that? That is the gaze mm-hmm. that you view the world. And why are we wanting to shed all of our labels so that we can just be? 
when we can just be. You don't have to add anything to be yourself. You you yourself are special. So just be that. Let me give you something. So when I was younger, I was told by some people, I don't think of you as black. And I thought it was a compliment at first. Same. When I got older, I realized it wasn't. And I said, no, think of me as black because it's not bad. Black isn't bad. So it's okay to see me as black. If you're not seeing me as black, it's because you think it's something bad. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That's it's just like, who I am. And that's okay. Right. It's okay. That's fine. Leading to this, so at Long Beach State, did you get a full-ride scholarship playing I did football, get, softball? I did get a full-ride scholarship. Congratulations. That's, Thank that's, you. It's a lot of work, you know, but it takes a village. It takes pitching coaches and parents that are driving you to lots of travel ball games. But did your dad do any, because he was a baseball player. I know softball's different, it's a different style, but like, did he do any kind of coaching with you my or dad, mentoring? Definitely. Okay. Definitely, definitely. He drove me. Well, first of all, my mom and dad did not miss one college game oh. that I played in. They went to every single one. Oh. We go to Hawaii, they were there. Arizona, they were there. Oh. They're, that's great. They're Parents, really supportive. Great. Mom and dad. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and my dad, growing up, you know, he was catching every bullpen and we would have oh, our tiffs man. because we played different positions. He was a shortstop. I was a oh, pitcher. So, okay. And so, you know, when you become a teenager, it's you don't know. <laughs> Dad. Dad, I'm the pitcher, you know? <laughs> so I think that that definitely made an interesting dynamic as I got older. But yeah. he definitely was my number one coach and taught me so much about the game. Yeah. And that was really, really special. Oh. Yeah, I think that the reason why I'm able to speak about the game so well now, like as an analyst, is because I can I would get in the car after I played and we would talk about what we just saw. Well, that person probably could have did X, Y, Z. They did that really well. What do you think happened there? And we would just have a really nice sports banner. And my family would do that on every sport. We'd do that for basketball. Like as soon as we're a sports family. Okay. Um, But I think that that really helped shape the way I view the game. Okay. And that was really special. Also, my pitching coach at the time, this guy, Don Sarno, who my my dad and I, we would go drive to... uh, all the way to La, La Brea, off Brea. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And we were we were driving in Orange County, and I lived in the Inland yeah. Empire. So okay. this is like a 45-minute yes. hour drive. Okay. So in California. Yeah. And yes. driving after practice, I would leave softball practice and go to a direct pitching lesson, one-on-one. And yeah. my dad caught me and would leave work early and make sure that he was there so that I had someone who knew the game enough to tell me when yeah. what I was doing needed to be corrected and when things were really good. Yeah. You go from the IE to OC, I will give your parents credit. Yeah, they were. That, that, that's, they that, that is dedication. Yeah. I think my favorite thing, though, about my dad being aware of the game is that sometimes uh, I would have a great pitching game, right? In yeah. college, when I was in high school, whatever. And I'd get in the car and he'd say, they love you when you're doing well. And I would have a game when I didn't do well. And, you know, most parents, it's really hard to watch your kid not play well yeah, to their ability. Yeah. Well, yeah, and my parents would never yell and scream. I'd get in the car and they'd say, well, so I guess we're practicing this week. I like that approach, yes. Yeah, so it. we're just okay. going to throw some bullpens. No big deal. Yeah. And also, it maybe didn't look that great, but you were throwing really hard. Or okay. whatever the okay. positive was. Finding the positive part. Yeah, yes, and yes. so I never felt like berated for not having okay. my best. And I think that that allowed me to not be afraid to fail. Because when we're afraid to fail, then okay. sometimes it limits okay. us our success. Yeah. And I never felt there was a limit to my success. Yeah. Because, like, whatever, if I mess up, who cares? There's something else to happen. Right. Well, you mentioned it was a perfect segue because you do auto hosting for Big West Conference production of ESPN3. Yes. So, how did so you get that gig? Well, first of all, how did that begin? Um, well, as a college athlete at mm. Long Beach, we had quite a few games that were broadcasted and sometimes post game interviews. 
I would pitch a great game. I'd, you know, speak yeah. to the commentators at the time. And those in the conference realized that I kind of, I guess, had somewhat of a knack to being able to answer concisely. Mm-hmm. And right after I graduated, I interned and shadowed and followed um, some of the announcers that worked for the productions. Okay. And okay. it kind of got to the point where... <laughs> This is a great story. I didn't actually know that I was going to do color commentary. Okay. And I get a call at 8.30 a.m., a random Saturday. I'd been out of college uh, almost two years. Mm -hmm. Aaron, our analyst is sick. Are you around? And I had a hair appointment. And Uh, I I wasn't going to tell them that. Black girls and hair appointments. (laughs) I know. I wasn't going to tell them. Right, yes. I wasn't going to tell them I had a hair appointment, but I was supposed to get my hair redone. Yes. And (laughs) I said, okay, well, I can be in Long Beach in an hour. And the call time was 9 o'clock. I got there, I think, maybe like 9.15. I rushed down. And I just, I announced the game. And I had never done that before, but someone was sick, and I just took the opportunity. I just said yes. And so then the following year, um, I got to do commentary for every game uh, that they had broadcast. So there were, I think there were eight. And I did all eight. Girl, I'll tell you something. Why? I, I just saw a brief three years here in this network. I just saw it last week. The reason why I'm here is someone went out of town. And I never hosted my time. I said, James, can you come on and guest host this show? And I never done my time. But like, you just said yes. Take your opportunities. So hello. Take them. That's what I say. I say yes. And you know what? The the I think what also became really symbiotic is the girl who was doing the or the woman who was doing the announcing. Mm-hmm. Uh, she ended up really. She has a whole like catching empire. Oh She's wow! Just amazing, amazing, right. amazing softball yes, businesswoman. Yes. So I think for her, it probably worked out fine yeah, that yeah, she was right. sick. I, I don't think that it yeah. skipped a beat. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, for yeah. me, it allowed me to kind of have this new yeah. step into something I didn't even really realize. I knew I wanted to do it, but I hadn't had the opportunity. And I just jumped. What is the... Okay, cause I always think it's very... Because I, I watch football stuff like that. It just seems so hard to me. to Because to, you're, you're live. I mean, I do live television, but I mean, you're live... Catching every play, talking about it, giving giving your opinion part way, and I mean, how, I mean, how do you do it? Well, first of all, the my partner who does the play by play, he is amazing. Okay, he so does stuff for the Angels. Like okay. he is, oh, okay. he's amazing. Okay, so he, give him a shout out. Yeah, Trent Shlom, you're amazing. Yes. Trent Rush, <laughs> yes. he's on it. So he's really good. Um, and so he allows me to really work through lear- my learning okay. curve. Okay, and. You know, I think initially the producers were like, Aaron, you we know you know what you're talking about. Just go. But to have the confidence yeah. to say what you think. Yes. It's all about the confidence. So I think that each game that I was hosting in the beginning, mm-hmm. I think I got a little bit better each time and just For more sure. confident For in sure. saying what was going on. Yeah. Because... At first, there were still girls I knew who were in the conference. So for oh. me to say, I think that they could have made that play. Sandra did really do a good yeah, job. This game, we're like, like, hey, girl, <laughs> you know, just, let's, we'll have drinks later. Yeah. Exactly, right. exactly. So right. I think the older I get, the easier it is because yeah. I'm a little bit further removed. And I can kind of just like watch the game for what it is. Yes, yes. Um, but also, <laughs> when I was a player, I would just sit when I wasn't my turn pitching and I would sit. I would actually be commentating from okay, the dugout. So okay. I was kind of annoying. I'd be like, oh, this girl should be bunting right now. And my teammates were like, Aaron, they're not on our team. We don't care that they're not bunting right now. I'm like, well, they should have done this. Like, you know. <laughs> your, your, first of all, I just, I just have to say, your energy is so infectious. Oh, thank you. I love it. I can, I can see why people will be motivated by you. I can totally, I totally get it. Thank you. Like, I want to play softball all of a sudden. <laughs> and I've never had to play softball my entire life. We'll make a league. 
We leak. The Black leak. Hollywood Live Softball League. <laughs> you imagine? Oh my God! I'm a little older. I haven't done any of that stuff in a long time. <laughs> uh, but you, but your enthusiasm makes you like want to play. Like, oh my God! Let's, let's, let's do something. Bye, everybody. End of the show. We'll see you later. We're gonna okay. go play softball. Go play now. softball. <laughs> Um, but also I want to ask you, in college, what did you study in college? I was a communication studies That makes major. sense, okay. Makes yeah. Sense. So in that, you know, I kind of, at first I thought I was going to be a dentist because oh. I love to make people smile. So I wanted to be an orthodontist so that everyone could have nice, happy smiles. <laughs> but then I realized that when you can communicate, you can make people smile that way as yes, well. And it, very true. Yeah, and less science. So, yeah, oh, so it was really, it was really a, a great kind of way for me to have a diverse interest as I do. And yeah. now that I've gotten out of school a little bit more, I think that I actually use a lot what I've learned. People always talk bad about yes. like the liberal arts of like, oh, communications, yeah. whatever. I'm like, look, no. when I'm talking to people, I know exactly how to read their body yes, language. Yes, I know do. what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like, so <laughs> it does come in handy. It comes in it handy. Does come in, it does come in handy. And she's a SoCal native. That's what we do. We, we from so we, we we do good stuff. Yes. Not, not, everybody, not everybody's a transplant. Some of us are from here. Yes. Inland Empire, i.e. <laughs> woo, woo. Was it, were you the 909 or were you the 9551? I'm 909. 909. Yeah. Okay, yes. My sister and they're from Rancho Cucamonga in Ontario. That's and all me. That. Yes. Rancho. She went to Etiwanda High School? Yes. That's my rivals, though. That's your rivals? I went to Los Osos. Okay. okay. <laughs> I, know, I know the area out there. I know the area out there. Go Grizzlies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so now this initiative, this this Club Forty Two. Like, okay, so of course the number, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you kind of explain initially what this uh, thing is about. Okay, so Club Forty Two is a nonprofit. We are three years old now. We're going, yeah. Thank you. Um, and initially, I got approached in the summer of 2014. I'd only been out of college for one month, oh, wow. and. One of my business partners, this guy, Johnny Buck Lockwood, he comes up to me and says, I have this idea of where we want to mix kids from affluent areas and non-affluent areas, and we want them to just do baseball. And I was like, well, that sounds like kind of a cool idea. Okay, what are are we doing? Like, I want to hear more. And initially, we had kind of like a training academy through the sport of baseball, obviously 42, Jackie Robinson. Yes. And what what I soon learned after speaking uh, to Johnny Buck Lockwood and his partner, Melissa Bowden, was that there was our angel, uh, John Branca. His uncle played with Jackie Robinson oh, wow. and Ralph Branca, who, I don't know if you know, the shot heard around the world. He pitched that oh, shot yeah, heard yeah. around the world. Yeah. And he was actually Jackie's pallbearer in his oh, funeral. Wow. And so they were very close friends. Um, and he recently passed. Okay. And for the kind of the concept of that friendship standing for all of the kids from different communities playing together. That's really what we've built this whole community on. So obviously we are a little bit more than baseball now. We actually help blend kids from different communities for sports, music, and dance. Perfect. We do kids' events um, through Boys and Girls Clubs. Okay. And we help provide uh, tuition support for kids that are in our program. It's amazing. Yeah. And so there aren't... the, The thing that's been so great about 42 is really seeing these kids who wouldn't know each other Otherwise, playing sports together. So we have kids from like the Palisades and kids that are in Inglewood and all over. And we have um, a sports field that we were renovating in Inglewood at Rogers Park. I live in Inglewood, so I know Rogers Park. Yeah. And so at first there was no grass in the infield. There was no bases. Yeah. Yeah. So we kind of helped revive that field um, and kind of bring that to be like a centerpiece while also, you know, being able to help 
these kids have more placement in middle school. Okay. So we primarily focus on sixth, seventh, and eighth graders. Yeah, you, okay. middle school kids. Per, okay. Like that is our main focus, okay. and we help support uh, that, like kind of the eighth grade area as they transition into high school. Because okay. what we found is a lot of these groups are helping itty bitty kids, yep. and they help high schoolers. Yes. And there's this kind of segment that needs additional help and support because as you place yourself as a seventh and eighth grader, you're giving yourself a better opportunity for high school. Mm-hmm. And so what? Really, just kind of started with okay, we're meeting every once in a while. I was volunteering, um, and. I soon learned that what I learned from softball could really help the program. And so at first I was just a baseball coach. Okay. And I was coaching boys, which was a very interesting experience. Very different than not women, not girls. Not girls. Um, And I had coaching experience, but to coach baseball and to have these parents really question what I know, um, which for me was really difficult because I'm, I'm sure I'm like I was a d1 athlete you yeah. know I played professionally after yes. college I I know what I'm, I'm talking, talking about, about. yeah Hello. but for them to get over the fact that it was a woman I'm sure I'm sure. Boys, oh, I'm sure I'm sure yeah that that was difficult um but definitely as I became older I was able to kind of get more respect for what I knew and okay. the kids would get in the car and tell their parents like we like coach Aaron we like Coach Aaron. Mm. And then the parents would come up to me and say, you know, my son really likes you. Mm. Or my whatever you're telling the kids, they really like you mm. in the dugout or whatever. Mm. So that would make me feel really good. Yeah, and yeah. yeah, over time, it's kind of been kind of coaching parents in a way mm-hmm. as well. Because mm-hmm. really, what I experienced as an athlete, not a lot of people experience. I think what the stat is like, less 1% of players play D1 sports. Wow. And mm. so to have these parents who would really hope that their kids play D1 sports... Um, I realized that that was something that was really valuable, and I was really lucky to be partnered with, you know, uh, Johnny Lockwood and Melissa Bowden and John Branca and have them really support me and stand by me, even when things were getting questioned of how much can this young girl know? Yeah. I'm 23 when I started being involved. Um, and that soon being a baseball coach turned into, okay, she's our program director. Okay. Now she's the executive director. And so that's been a really fun journey, but Mm -hmm. also I've been able to really stand next to these parents and especially for our first team. I've known these kids since they were 11, some of them 10, now they're 14. Right. They're teenagers. They're big boys. And to see them grow and I'm growing with them in a way, I think by the time they graduate high school will be when I'm 30. Yeah. So it'll, we're all kind of going together and that's been it's really special. I love these kids. So right now has it been mostly boys? Have any girls? Mostly boys, but we also have dance and so we're mostly donor directed. So yes. when people want to assist in our dance program, then we can kind of bring our dancers all together. But the kids that we've had that have been in our dance program are amazing. Like, okay. truly amazing. I'm going to give it. a shout out. Uh, some of our dancers actually were part of the new revived version of the Mickey Mouse Club. Oh. So they're on Club Mickey Mouse. And oh, okay. yeah, they're dancing at top right. studios. <laughs> they are really, really, really wow. talented wow. kids. Uh, we actually had a time where we took the whole Club 42 community up to go see the MJ1 show in okay. Las Vegas. Oh, yeah. And the kids performed outside of the theater, uh-huh, of the funny. MJ1 theater. And they're, you know, doing all these Michael Jackson moves uh, and yeah. just really, really talented kids. Yeah. I'm so proud. Yeah. So proud to know them. Um, and to really see them grow as well yeah. has been really special. So we have been able to help girls in the dance community. For me personally, I'm really excited to kind of see in this next year growing some sort of girls sports program. Yes, that yeah, you, that, yeah, that would be... Definitely a goal. And I don't know if that's softball or if it's volleyball or 
I don't know where it is. I it, like it really would just depend on who would say, "Hey, we love the idea of blending these girls from these different communities, and like mm-hmm. this is the sport that we think will work best." We've also had people say so- soccer to I'll us say, as yeah, well. Probably, probably. Yeah, so we'll we'll see. That's yet to be determined, but yeah. I'm, that's for this year. So I'm excited. Yeah, yeah stay it's, tuned. <laughs> it's, it's great because I always believe that you know we are we are a village. You know, especially as Black folks, we come from and you watch Black Panther stuff. So we come from tribes and villages, and the village helps each other. Definitely. And I think it's great that you're going back in. You guys are going back in, and you're helping the village. Yes, and you know what's like the most special part of it is. We had a time where there were one of the kids from the Palisades sitting on the bench next to one of our like black kids. It's in I don't even know what city he's from, but he's from uh, more of like the L.A. area, okay. like West L.A. And he they're sitting together and he's like, oh, I need a pick. <laughs> the kids goes, what's a pick? So we had a whole conversation about like what a pick is. Yeah, and no, someone yeah. else saying, I wish my hair was like Odell Beckham Jr. This <laughs> nice bleached blonde, right, like right, super yes. kid is like, I want Odell Beckham <laughs> Jr.'s <laughs> hair. And I'm like sitting on the bench. I'm like, this is why we're doing this. Right. Because right? so right. these right. conversations that you're not even going to know these kids and not saying LA's really yeah. diverse, yeah. but it's different when you're teammates and it's different when there's a comfort level and i think that that's been a really special part of it you know i think sports is a great equalizer in that in that way anyway because then you know because you're a team you're a team the color kind of goes away but i like also that after and before there is conversations happening because what happens a lot of people who see just themselves whether it's black or white or asian or whatever you're used to just that Yes. So conversations would never come up. Things yeah. would never even come to you because you have no reason to be to confront it or even think about it. Right. And I think that that's kind of like the downfall of being in a more homogenous society. Yes, exactly. And exactly. I mean, LA, we're really fortunate that yeah, it's already very, very yes. like, there's a lot of diversity. Yes, we're lucky. Um, we're very lucky. But I think also in that diversity, being able to be really comfortable mm-hmm. having conversations and going to each other's houses. Because I think it's yes. in public spaces, everyone's diverse. Oh, but yes. Going to someone's house and eating pizza together and mm-hmm. driving them to the game and, you know, as the parents being able to communicate with one another as well. And it's not just black kids and white kids. You know, right. we have Latino kids as well. And one of our kids... um, He's such a special individual, Is you know, been working with his parents who don't even speak English. And, yeah. you know, for... And he's, like, the main... He's so responsible. He, like, does all of his emails. He's, like, 13, 14 years old. Wow. And is, like, on email. Like, this is what we're doing. I'm like, hire him. This right? Is like, so special. Like, like, hello. Special, special yes. kids. Yeah. So I, I think that that's been really great. And then also, I love that we've recently had more partnerships with the Boys and Girls Club. We had... Um, an event with over 300 kids this past Halloween, which wow. we called Thrilloween. And we turned the whole Boys and Girls Club into like a multi screen theater. Oh, cool. We had like four screens going, and wow. we're showing the Michael Jackson Halloween oh, special. Yes, they had a yes. red carpet for the kids. Oh, of course. They performed. It yeah. was amazing. Oh, amazing, amazing. So that's when we're able to really have more reach with our program and not, it's not so individualized, but more so of saying, okay, how can we help a great amount of kids do something really fun and special that they'll remember forever? And recently, I just saw the folks at the Santa Monica Boys and Girls Club, and they yeah. told me the kids are still talking about it. They're still talking about that event. See? It was so fun. See? Now, my question is for you and for the folks out there who are, who are tuning in and watching this, what can people do if they want to help? Because you're a nonprofit. Yes. It's a nonprofit. It's a nonprofit. Nonprofit. And they need people to believe in them with dollars. Amen. And cents. <laughs> So what? So what can what can people do if they what they want to get involved? You know, I think at this point right now, it would be great to have people who were wanting. We need people that are going to really help us 
grow the idea of the nonprofit. Okay. So someone who like believes in what you're saying and what we're about, about blending kids from different communities mm-hmm. and saying, you know what? I have a dance studio and I would love to host okay. dancers. Okay. I'm a choreographer and I want to donate my time to teach kids. And like, you know what I've really found, which is so interesting, is the donating of time. I get it. Time is money. But like donating time is so crucial. Mm-hmm. It's almost more than the dollars because kids are they're not everywhere, but you can find right. kids that need assistance. Mm-hmm. It's not hard to find a kid that needs some help. Nope. It's hard to find a grown up that wants to help those kids without being like, and uh, right. what are we doing? Right. Uh, how long? Yeah, and not so, looking right. at their clock. Right. Or their phone. Yeah. But being present because mm-hmm. kids especially kids that have two working parents, as most kids do, or one working parent, they need adults who are going to be present. So, Well, I'm telling you right now, on camera, I'm saying something to you, if you ever want somebody to come and speak, because I'm a certified life coach, you want to speak about media or be being amazing. an author, because I have books, I publish books and things, I will come and speak. That would be amazing. I'll donate my time. I, I, I put my, see, I put my money in my mouth. In. I'm putting my time in my mouth. In. We need it, So we ever, we'll work something out. If you ever want to, I will come and speak to kids. I love that. I'm going to hold you to it. We'll take pictures and send it to everyone. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but I'm, I'm serious. I'm, I, I, I'd love to. I think uh, there are probably some kids who might want to go into TV or yeah. go on the radio or just or some that write. I mean, I want to I do spoken word stuff. I'm, I know I'm we do. Yeah. I know we do. Okay. I will take you up on that. Okay. That's amazing. So Thank folks you. should follow suit. So folks should follow suit. I'm, I'm leading the charge. Sports coaches, yes. media training, mm-hmm. that's also great. Mm-hmm. You know, even I think um, I dance, like we talked about Helping grow a girls program. I like. I, Come on, let's do it. Yeah, like let's help get some girl power going. The on. time is now. Anyway. Yeah, the time is now. The time so is now. that's. I would love to get yes. some some girls doing okay. something. Girl stuff. Come on, folks, do it. And if you want to contact me, I'll connect you with her. But where can they actually find you if they want to if they want to talk about this Club Forty Two stuff? So our website is go forty two dot org. Super easy. Yes. Um. You also could. I'll just put my Go42 email out there because it's simple. It's e at go42.org. Perfect. Yeah. Now, I ask my guests the same two questions. I've done it 103 times before. Uh, and I never prepped them. As you guys at home watch the show, no, I never prepped them. So I believe in language and your communications, language, all that stuff. So my first question to you, what word or phrase should we not say anymore? You know what word or phrase we shouldn't say anymore? Tell me. Is can't. It's a great one. Just, it's a classic. It's a classic. I don't believe in. I don't believe in can't and shouldn't and any all of those of things that like say that we are it's limited. Like yeah, yeah, don't just don't limit yourself. Okay, that's a good, yeah. that's a good phrase. Okay, so on the other side of that, what word or phrase should we say more of? We should say more of. I will. Like that. I'm trying. I'm. I'm do. I will do Blank. X. Yes. Yeah. Try is great. It's great to try <laughs> to do things, but it's also great to say that you will do it. Right. Put speak it into existence. You will. Also, it, it, it forces you to have have self commitment. Totally. You say will. Exactly. When you say try. You can back out. Well, so I said I try, but when you say I will. You're telling yourself, I'm going to do this. And it also is saying you're not afraid if it can't happen. Circumstances happen sometimes where we can't achieve the things that we want to achieve. But I think it's really powerful for our mind to say, like, I will achieve X. And if circumstances don't allow that to happen, I can pivot. Yeah. Trying is, you don't have to be accountable. No, not to be accountable. I don't don't like that. You don't have to be accountable. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Coach Aaron, you're the best. You're so sweet. You are just like, it's amazing. And I, I wish I was 13 years old and I could play on one of your teams. You're so sweet. And then like go out there and do stuff. Uh, so great. I didn't I didn't have that when I was 13 years old. So I didn't have I didn't have a coach like you out there who's doing that. I think it's amazing. I'm so obsessed with the kids that yeah. are I mean, we have three pro we have three part of our baseball wow. program and the program that I've known the kids since they were eleven, yeah. I'm all of their parents, those kids, they are just so special to me. I just can't wait to see what they all yeah. become. Because I know they're all going to be someone really special. Well, it just makes me happy as an older person to see that young people today are do care about their community. <laughs> kids are everything. They are who I'm going to have to deal with them, too. They're going to be adults one day. Everyone becomes an adult. <laughs> That's right. <very laughs> we want to have great adults, right? <laughs> That's, no, we do. We no, seriously, no, seriously, we do. We, we do. need to have good people. We do. And it takes the people... To go back. You yes. have to go back. You, go back. Mm-hmm. you can't just like turn around. No. Nope. Yeah. I agree with you. I totally agree with you. Yeah. I do. Thank you so much for being on the thank show. Thank you for having me. This is anytime. wonderful. Oh, like thank you. you guys. And so again, so tell me where you can find you on social media if you want to. So you can find me on social media on Twitter, Aaron JW42. It's E-R-I-N-J-W42. That's the same as my Instagram. And for Club 42 info, just go to go42.org. And, of course, breaking into us on the Facebook page. You can go there and like us and follow us. And more information about her and Club 42 will be on that page. So I'll make sure that everything is like I can click away. I'll make it very easy for you to click. And you'll be able to go to see what she's talking about. Uh, also, all our episodes. Our episodes are there. I post them there. They're also on, on iTunes for audio. And they're on YouTube under Black Hollywood Live, of course. Thanks to Black Hollywood Live. We have this here every week, of course. I'm James Lott Jr. You can follow me where all James Lott Juniors are at James Lott Jr. on all social media platforms. And I'll see you next time. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us. Info at BlackHollywoodLive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live. Scipio, Instagram, at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.